Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of the Retrospectors podcast. My name is Patrick Arthur, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, James Turlings. How you going, guys? This week, we're doing a title called Lost Vikings. Uh, it was originally released in 1992 by Blizzard, released for the Super Nintendo. It was later ported to a whole bunch of platforms, including um, on PC through DOS. There's a version on GBA as well, but I'd say the DOS one is the dominant one uh, for gamers today if you want to play the game. So before we get into the episode, um, I just want to ask you, James, once again, why are we doing the Lost Vikings? I asked you this last <laughs> week, but you didn't really give us a clear answer. And I still don't quite know why uh, we're doing this title in particular. If I'm going to be really honest, it was because I just couldn't make up my mind and you suggested it over a message and I was like, good enough, let's do that one. I mean, it was a title I was always interested in playing, but it was, wasn't really at the forefront of my mind until you brought it up again. Uh, the Lost Vikings, you know, is a uh, group of characters that I'm only really familiar with from playing Heroes of the Storm um, but as one of Blizzard's most original games you know it's very interesting to see where such a big company has its roots yeah and Blizzard has referenced Lost Vikings not just in um, Heroes of the Storm but also all our games in Starcraft 2 there's an arcade uh, ship shooting game called Lost Vikings um, in Overwatch, there's a little arcade machines that uh, have it displaying the characters. So it's definitely part of uh, Blizzard's DNA, and they are proud of the title to this day. Yeah, but should they um, be? I guess that's the question uh, we're all here to <laughs> oh, find yeah, that's out. That's what we're here to ask and uh, answer. <laughs> So here on the Retrospectives podcast, we're not interested in evaluating games in the context of the times in which they are produced. We're simply having a discussion and doing a review, I guess, of whether this game is fun to play today. James and I played the game over the past two weeks. We've both finished it and uh, we're here to give you our impressions of it today. You know, there are classics of the past that are well-renowned and I appreciate and understand that. But for the purpose of this show, we're only interested in has this game stood the test of time and did we have fun with it? Lost Vikings is um, an interesting title and in that many old games from well-known studios kind of stay in relevance throughout their history. Everybody's tried Super Mario Brothers at some point, but I think that um, The Lost Vikings is a title that kind of faded from people's minds, honestly. And even though Blizzard is such a massive company that's, you know, always on headlines, always releasing huge games, I think that this title has kind of like slept in the shadows for quite a while. So we were both very interested to find out if that was because the game just sucks or, you know, Maybe maybe the other titles that Blizzard have released have just swept the spotlight away from it. Would you say that it's been lost to time? Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the premise of Lost Vikings is that the um, you, you take control of three Vikings named Olaf, Eric, and Balog. They're just living at home doing normal Viking stuff when they're suddenly abducted by the Croutons, led by an evil alien overlord called Tomata. He's kidnapped them to add them to his intergalactic zoo, but of course the Vikings have other plans and escape from imprisonment and start wreaking havoc. So they try and escape and get back home, but in the process they travel through several time portals, which sends them spiraling through time, having to solve puzzles and overcome dangerous foes along the way. Eventually, they uh, return to the ship and confront Tamata. But that's the basic story setup. Very, very simple, but uh, 
yeah, the Vikings are lost to time and they're trying to find their way home. Yeah, so in the Vikings is, I guess, at its core, you could distill the gameplay down to being a puzzle platformer, but it's a puzzle platformer unlike any that I've played before. Yeah, so the, the idea is that you take control of these three Vikings, uh, but you don't have the ability to control all three at once. You switch between your three Vikings, one of whom is fast and can jump, one who is a warrior with a bow, and one who has a shield that he can also use to descend gracefully from great heights, uh, regardless of what the physics of the situation might suggest. And at any one time, you can only control one of these Vikings while the other two kind of sit there not doing anything, very vulnerable to any dangers that might be coming their way. And you can switch between all three of them at a press of a button with um, no restriction whatsoever. Um, so the majority of the gameplay in this game involves puzzle solving by using each Viking's strength to solve various bits of puzzles and then coming together at the end to reach the escape, um, like a big exit sign together. It's actually, it's pretty old. It's just the, the word exit in green letters just like floating in the air. You just get them all to overlap on it and you go on to the next level. So I guess, you know, the basic structure of each level at the very beginning there'll usually be um, something that splits the vikings up for example only one of the vikings knows how to jump so there'll be like a platform just above the ground that leads off to its own area that only eric the swift the speedy jumpy viking can get to and another maybe like a pit that zigzags downwards over some spikes and you can only get down there if you have the ability to slowly float downwards and avoid the spikes. So obviously you get your shield guy, you put it over your head and you float down. And essentially the whole game boils down to recognizing which bits can be solved by which characters, switching to them and then, you know, working together to solve the overall level. Yeah, so that's that's the basic idea. It's a very unique structure, which is why we've gone into such, um, such detail trying to explain it. It's difficult to get your head around. The closest thing to the character switching that's in the game is something like Day of the Tentacle, but all three characters are often on the same screen together instead of being in different time periods, so it's not exactly the same. Whereas the puzzle gameplay is most similar to a game like Trine, where different characters, the wizard, the warrior, and the rogue, all have their own ability to solve different parts of the level. But really, I don't think it's a direct ripoff of anything. And I think to this day, the actual structure is still pretty unique. Yeah, I've never played anything like this. And before the show, I spent a good like 10 to 15 minutes trying to Google similar games and just nothing comes up. Of course, Trine's the most similar game, but in Trine, you only control one character that switches between classes essentially whereas uh, the lost vikings has all three of them on the screen at once in different locations of the level um so yeah absolutely unique game um, i thought it was very interesting to play through so i guess um the best place to start is this is a puzzle game of course so how did you feel about the kind of puzzle structure of the levels pat did you think the puzzles held up because i guess that's the most important thing right so it's funny i don't actually think it's the most important thing i think the puzzle element is probably the most important thing in roughly the first half of the game but i think it increasingly becomes a platformer instead of a puzzler okay so the reason for that is um, when you first start playing the game, I think that the that it feels like a puzzle game because you don't really know in depth 
uh, how all your characters combine together and I guess the basic puzzle logic of the game, you know, knowing that you need a character over here to press this switch to open this, you know, doorway so this character can do this jump, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of uh, characters being contingent on other characters doing the right thing at the right time. But I think that by the time you get to about the halfway point, you stop really seeing anything new in terms of puzzle design. There's some that are a little more complex, but it's simply adding additional steps. It's not requiring extra cognitive function, I guess, to solve. You're not being pushed out of your comfort zone. You just need to do more things. I think the game increasingly becomes a platformer. But in terms of just talking about the puzzles and how I feel about the puzzles, basically, they're okay. What I like to see from my puzzle games, I guess, in in today's day, is I like them to challenge me and I like them to stump me. And I don't think any of the puzzles in Lost Vikings really gave me any troubles. It was just a matter of running around, I guess, and understanding the larger layout of the level to figure out what to do, as opposed to me coming up with innovative ways to deal with new challenges. I I don't know if you felt similarly. Yeah, because the level design's actually a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be going into the game. Most of the levels are fairly big, and I guess the general gameplay pattern of discovering a new level is you kind of run your dudes out and try to get as far as you can a few times, dying many, many times as you do so. And then as you continuously die and re-explore and die and re-explore, you make this mental map of the level and where you need to get each character to in order to progress the route. I I actually agree with you that I don't think any of the individual little puzzle sections are particularly difficult. There was one level later in the game in particular, the last level of a very special world we'll talk about later, where depending on what you did, you could absolutely brick your progress in the level and need it to restart. But I think there was only one instance of that in the game. And I actually completely agree with you. The game like kind of lures you into this false expectation of being a puzzle game. But by the end of the game, this is like a super meat boy tier platformer rather than you going around solving a lot of difficult puzzles. Yeah, and for me, it's quite hard to talk about the puzzles without also talking about the platforming because if I had to describe this game in a nutshell, it's that it has uh, a personality disorder. It doesn't quite know if it wants to be a um, a puzzle game or a platforming game. And I think that in a lot of ways, those two things are are at crossroads and have competing goals and interests. And I think it's kind of to the game's detriment. I don't think so. I think that there is a market for a game that crosses these two elements together. I think that... The Lost Vikings does a good job in the middle section of the game of blending these two elements together. Because at the very beginning, there's basically zero platforming at all. It's just pushing blocks and Mm. moving characters into the right position, getting keys, taking it to the right keyholes. By the end of the game, all of that's like, as you said, you're not really thinking about it that much. You're just trying to stay alive and not fall into these hundreds of spikes and lasers and traps. And in the middle, I think the blend was about right. And then, you know, towards the end, it kind of shifts a bit too far towards the platforming side to the point where you can never really get a good sense of reward from solving the puzzles because you've figured out the puzzle solution in your mind 
and then you need to try at the game maybe 20 30 times to actually get the puzzle to work because getting the puzzle to work requires some fairly challenging platforming elements um, and i will say um, and maybe we talk about difficulty here this game starts off incredibly easy to the point where it was boring um, and then, like, the, I think the curve's okay, but the point where this game ends is incredibly challenging and the, almost to the point of, well, absolutely to the point of being tedious. Have you ever heard of the buzzword artificial difficulty, James? Uh, yes, I have. Please enlighten us. I would say that this game, Lost Vikings, is the embodiment of the term artificial difficulty. And I haven't played many Super Nintendo or, you know, era games game these early tough games but it is ridiculous how how there are so many insta deaths all over every single level and the experience i had playing it was death was almost necessary to progress because of how many surprises there are how many times you have to make kind of falls of faith and jumps of faith in the hope that it's going to work out yes and there are so many ways to immediately lose a level, not just uh, missing a jump slightly, but also, you know, you slightly misplace your shield block warrior and he'll, you know, quickly kill one of your Vikings. And you have to start from the start doing all the things you already know how to do. And that's what Lost Vikings is. It's not that any particular moment in this is very difficult. It's not. You can... There's nothing in, there's no part of this game. If you pointed it, you'd say, well, this is harder than, you know, than the later levels of Celeste or the later levels of Super Meat Boy or even the platforming sections in Hollow Knight. It's the fact that you have to do a lot of platforming, a lot, a lot, a lot to get towards the end of the level. And if you make a mistake, instantly over game over you have to start the level again yeah Go it's back not to start. it's not that the like the platforming or the puzzle solving is hard it's that the game is insanely punishing to making even mm -hmm. the slightest mistake to be able to beat each level in this game you need to get all three vikings to the exit which means that if a single one of them dies that's it and in a really weird design moment, um, they made it so that when one of the Vikings dies, it doesn't end the level, you can keep going. And then if you get like two out of three or one out of three of the Vikings to the end goal, it just takes you back to the start again. It's really bizarre. Honestly, I think that the way it should have been handled was maybe there was a point scoring system where you got more points for having more Vikings get to the end. Because it's just really bizarre that you can get to that end goal and it not count as you finishing the level. So, I mean, what I would suggest is a lot more radical. And I think it's because I um, I don't like the mechanic of insta-death. I, ju I just don't think it's a good way to do it. Um, difficult platforming is good, but you should have more than one chance if you miss a jump or fail. So I wish that for having a Viking die didn't kill them, it just sent them back to the previous platform. And perhaps that causes issues with certain puzzles, but I can't imagine it would cause any significant problems and you could plan around it. But make each Viking... I mean, there's already a health, a health system in place where each Viking has three health and there's items to replenish it. When you fall on a laser beam instead of it killing you, you should just respawn with one less health. 
Yeah, I agree. I think that most games that have insta-death, you use Celeste as an example, have really short, compact rooms. Not these really long, not-too-difficult rooms that make you go all the way back to the start and do like a full five minutes of stuff you find not challenging at all in order to get back to mm -hmm. the bit that's challenging. It's really, really tedious. Um, especially in the later levels, you're going to be dying a lot in this game if you play it. Like, a lot, a lot. And every single yep. time you die, like, right near the end, you have to do the whole level again. It's not... And obviously you've solved the puzzle now, it's no longer a puzzle, it's just easy platforming and, you know, maybe you moved slightly to the left at the very end of a jump and just, like, a pixel touched a little spike and that's just ended your run. It's just, it's really unsatisfying and it really made me really angry, honestly. I was getting extremely frustrating while playing this game. I, um, I rage quit this game so much trying to play it. Trying to, trying to finish it was such a struggle because I kept closing it down and then 15 minutes later I'm like, God, I better play Lost Vikings again. <laughs> So I'd open it back up, reload the level, do it again, die again, quit out. And I, I was constantly quitting out and opening it up over and over again. I don't even think it's a problem with the level design. Um, I think that if it had a system like the one you suggested, I would have had a lot of fun with this game. When I, every time I managed to beat a level first try, I, I like, I thought it was really fun. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with the levels or with the kind of gameplay direction in general. I just think that it's way, way, way too punishing. I, I wouldn't go quite that far. I think there are some problems with how certain parts of levels are designed. There's, there's a real feeling of getcha and surprise deaths as you make your way through the level where it almost feels like... This game actively like, tries to troll you in places. Yeah, it, um, but, but that's that's not... I mean, I guess, ha-ha, the game's trolling you, but to me, that's bad design. The game should be set up in such a way that you have a reasonable chance to make it through every level without dying once. Uh, provided you're being careful like for example there's a bit where you have um where you have to smash open a wall uh at the bottom of a, of a volcano with your fast running viking so i did that and a monster popped out from behind the wall that you can't see at all and he killed my guy and i had to start again um, but there's markings on the wall on that level to indicate that there's a monster there Okay, sure. I, I didn't I didn't figure those out. Maybe, maybe I'm just being dumb. I, I felt there <laughs> no, were there, a number there are of spots. There are, definitely, there are definitely spots in the game like you're describing. For me, the biggest point of contention in this is one that made me like, like want to smash my keyboard on the ground, honestly. So, in this game, each character has its own inventory slot, which has four slots total. Mm -hmm. And we'll probably talk about this later, because this inventory system is absolute garbage, but... <laughs> Um, so the main point here is that each Viking can only hold up to four items at once, and every time they touch an item, it automatically gets picked up and put into your inventory. So there's this section where you're playing as Olaf, who's the big guy with a shield that can float downwards and all block projectiles with his shield. And there's this bit where you have to jump down this pit, and halfway down the fall, there's a key that you have to pick up. 
but all the way through the pit are all these vegetables, which are the items you use to restore health in the Lost Vikings. And it's, it was not obvious to me at all, because you see health ups, your instant reaction is to pick them up, right? I picked up four of them and was like, sweet, full inventory of health. And then a key appeared on the screen that I floated through, didn't pick up because my inventory was full, and then my character was standing on the ground with no way to get back up, and I just... I had to restart the whole level again because they, they were honestly just... I don't understand. It was just shit design. The, the game does it all the time. You have to do a lot of blind jumps and blind falls, not knowing how far you're falling or what you're falling into or what traps are suddenly going to trigger out of nowhere. And when every death sends you all the way back to the start, it's, it's super frustrating. I don't know. I think um, rather than Celeste or Super Meat Boy, although they're better platforming comparisons, the structure is more similar to something like your Hollow Knights or your Castlevanias where um, there's lots of perils along the way. Uh, but what Hollow Knight and Castlevania do better is they're not filled with insta-kills. They're filled with yes. attacks and traps and things that do damage to you. you. know, They'll take away a fifth of your health or a sixth of your health or sometimes even less. So you have chances to spring traps, be punished by them. They're still a threat if you do eventually die because you need to be aware of them. But it never feels needlessly punishing. It feels, you know, exactly the appropriate amount of punishing. And yeah, Lost Vikings is simply too punishing for all of the surprises it's throwing your way. Luckily, um, this game's save system is so old that it uses one of these password systems where... Every time you beat a level, it gives you a new code, and you can put that code in to get to the specific level. Because there's no, you know, traditional saving your game. Uh, you just use codes to get to the level that you were up to last. So, you know, I have a big sheet of paper with the codes written down, um, and you can just look them up online. I did yeah, I was find myself. Say. I, I definitely didn't write down the passwords. I was just online. No, I did. I, I, I used online a few, but I always forgot which one I was up to, so I just wrote oh, okay. it down. Um, I actually... There was a benefit to this system where I wanted to play this game at work on my lunch break so I could get it finished, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, but there's just a password system, so I don't have to, like, import my save or do anything like that. We we should mention, by the way, we forgot to mention, uh, Lost Vikings is completely free. Um blizzard you can just download it from battle.net we'll include a link in the show notes um it runs perfectly fine it's just emulated on DOSBox. you just double click on it to fire up the executable and boom you're in the game once again a big relief for a game released in 1992 which would normally be a pain to get working but uh yeah good on your blizzard for making this game for free yeah, this is a good point too. Considering this game is free, I think that's a big, uh, you know, if you're like even slightly interested in this game, there's really no barrier to giving it a shot. It's like, I disagree. what is it, like five megabytes in size? Like, I don't think um, just giving it a whirl and seeing if you like it. James, you, that's what not... we're here for. It's not for them to make that decision. It's for us <laughs> to tell them it's for whether us it's worth to decide it. what games people should play. Exactly. We'll tell you at the end whether it's worth playing, and then you know if it is worth playing, yeah, you can you can give it a shot. Yeah, then you should definitely play it. And if we say no, then you definitely shouldn't play it. Yes, we're the arbiters. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think I think underneath all that pain and frustration, there's an okay game there. But just the execution is awful. Honestly, if they remade this game today, added in some kind of, you know, respawn on the last platform system, 
adding some basic features like saving your game and god better inventory management then honestly I, it'd be fine i think do you, um, do you have other issues with inventory management because you sound really angry at it whereas i was just like moderately annoyed by it the controls in this game fucking suck <laughs> Like, they're so bad. Direction is on the arrow keys, that's fine. Jumps on space, that's fine. Swapping characters is on control, you're with me so far, that's fine. And then each character has, like, an ability, and that's just randomly on D for some reason, and then inventory is on tab, and you can't rebind them, so your hand's just, like, all over the place. And, like, inventory management in particular is so painful. So to get into an inventory, you press tab, and that accesses the inventory of the character you're currently selected, and then you can move the cursor around. And then if you want to trade, you have to press space, move the item to someone else's inventory, Press space to stop that, then press tab to get out of inventory. It's just so fiddly. I just I just want to use a mouse and like click and drag items between inventories. So um I found the main thing I struggled with was remembering how to swap items around because I got everything else pretty good. But literally every time I needed to swap an item, I was like, how do I do this again? And I had to look up uh, the controls online. And I did it about 15 times over the course of playing this game, looking up how to swap items from character to character. It's pretty... This game has no options either. Like there's, oh, um, if, you, if you press Alt and M together, that mutes the music, but there's nothing <gasps> else. Oh, I wish I had known <laughs> that. <laughs> That's the only it's, thing. Um, it's the banjo problem all over again yeah you didn't like the music uh so i mean once again the problem isn't the music in intrinsically but the music on each i guess themed level which is like a you know six or seven levels could take you one to two hours Eight. yeah sure. yep. it could take one to two hours to make your way through each thing it's like a minute 30 track that just loops yeah. over and <laughs> On over loop again. for like two hours straight. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I actually think some of the tracks in this game are quite enjoyable to listen to, but none of the tracks in this game are fun to listen to for two hours straight. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, speaking of the music, I guess I'll do a quick music play break here because we've been going for 30 minutes we like to give you guys some of the music to listen to to give you a bit of context obviously this is a podcast we can't include video gameplay but at least we can give you some sound to listen to and kind of base your own opinions off of the uh, the examples so i'll start this one off with my favorite track from this game which plays in the factory
So um, that was the factory track. I actually think that most of um, the music in this game does a good job of reflecting the levels themselves. If I listen to any of the tracks in this game, I know what level that's from. You know, the Egyptian level sounds like it's from Egypt. The factory sound has those clinks and bangs that make it sound from a factory and that kind of thing. And honestly, some of the tracks are pretty groovy. And I like I liked them for the first, you know, five minutes of the two hours that I was in each world for. Yeah, and what I basically agree. The music's fine. I didn't think it was great. Um, I thought the prehistoric one was a bit crappy, but they were pretty good. Yeah, it sucks. That. That's the I think that's the only actively awful track on the soundtrack but two or three of them are you know quite enjoyable but none of them are great i would say the, yeah. the, the number one problem is that there's no um there's no volume slider here so i couldn't turn the music down i wish i'd known about the mute you just have to use function. windows yeah but yeah it, <laughs> get, games not having music volume controls is a problem like you're you're trying to enjoy yourself and it's just blaring the same music over and over again uh, it means that even if the music isn't that bad, you still grow sick of it, uh, which, you know, no one, it's kind of like a little unfair. You, you listen to anything for two hours straight and you probably don't want to listen to it anymore. And that's kind of how I feel about the soundtrack. So it was fine. Um, it was even fine to good maybe. But um, yeah, I, I can certainly do with a break from uh, listening to it on repeat for a while. Yeah, if you, if you want to play this game, just make sure you open the help me file and learn the uh, the mute the mute key combinations as weird as they are see i don't um, read guides i just play the game that was a mistake you just play really. the game <laughs> you know half of the story in this game is expressed in that guide there's three paragraphs of text explaining the characters backstories and things like that the characters which backstories is, um, is i run really fast I'm a great I am warrior. a Viking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's actually something that a lot of old games do is include most of the story in the manual. I remember when I was a kid and I got a new game and mum would be driving me home and I'd spend like, you know, 10 minutes reading the manual to figure out the cool story. It's something that I'm kind of glad isn't a thing anymore because if you forget to do it, you just don't know what's going on. But that's not really a problem here, right? The story in this game is just like that's non-existent. Simple. Yeah, I yeah. mean, most of the story moments you get, they're more character moments when the Vikings are kind of bantering with one another. What what did you think of that, that uh, those moments at the end of each level? Yeah, I actually um, kind of liked the rapport each of the characters had. with. Like, they felt like a group of friends, and I thought that, you know, the actual gameplay that involved each character helping each other, you know, the guy lifts up his shield so that the guy can jump on the shield and then jump on the higher platform. I thought that was a cool little way of, like, making them seem like buddies. Um, and they have a lot of little quips with each other, and there's some fourth wall-breaking humor. I didn't actually mind the um, humor. There. It wasn't, like, laugh-out-loud funny, but it made me, like, smile a little bit occasionally and made the game feel a bit more, you know, um, less like... I was dying on spikes a thousand times. <laughs> I thought it was pretty bad. Um, I don't think it was like an awful taste, but uh, it was it was not very not much uh, thought was put into writing it. Um, the worst part is whenever you interact with other characters in the world, occasionally you'll free a prisoner or speak to an alien janitor or whatever. And there's a weirdness about the way their text uh, is produced. It's like it's not from. It's like it's being poorly translated from another language or yeah. it doesn't belong to a character. It's almost instructional the way they speak. It's very bland and lifeless. 
so that's particularly bad the quips between the vikings i'm kind of like oh whatever it's like not not great it's just there right it's just there yeah it's okay um once again nothing nothing deal breakingly awful or anything it's not it's not truly terrible writing but it's nothing special yeah i wish the dialogue had given the characters a bit more personality i think the characters like they look like they have personality Mm. when you look at the little sprites i think the sprites are full of personality but honestly for the first half of the game when each character was talking i couldn't tell who was who right yep particularly since they always talk at the ending where they're kind of piled up on one another yeah and there's no like lines pointing to the text bubbles to each character the only way to figure out who is who is by matching the color of the dialogue and then sometimes they mention who's talking and you have to like figure it out from that i just they could have done a much better job at that i think that there's a lot of potential for having some really fun uh friendly interaction between these three characters and it just wasn't taken advantage of i think that it's a kind of a hallmark of these old games that story was a huge afterthought yeah you are right that the um that they do a good job animating the sprites though i think that um all three of the characters are very well animated and very well distinct and there's yes. nice cool things like when the um the fast one whose name i keep forgetting eric when he runs really fast at a wall or an enemy and hits it he kind of goes dizzy for a moment and falls to the ground and that's that's enjoyable and very well done i think the enemy sprites are kind of generic and whatever they're not yeah terrible, i don't but... think i don't think they're great i think the main characters all look great still mm. i think they've got a lot of personality um there's a uh, some fun one of the things i always thought was funny was that the fat viking whenever he crawls up a ladder you notice that like his pants aren't quite a fully fully the way up as they should be yeah and i quite like how he gracefully falls with his shield as a parachute somehow yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense but apparently when he's falling with his shield above him he's very light when I played this game, I played it in full screen because I just I have to play games that way now. Um, and the games like it doesn't scale resolution very well. The game, when played in the original resolution, the smaller size, I think still looks quite nice. Um, it's very clear and it's very expressive, and it tells you exactly what's going on in the game which is for these older titles that probably haven't aged that well to me that's the most important thing is that they don't get in the way of the gameplay right yeah um, and, and i think this game does a good job of that it, um it's funny because this is one of the areas where it's very clear that this is a game that was designed by blizzard yes because blizzard have this design philosophy of like polish and clarity and i guess a cleanness to a lot of the games that they make and Lost Vikings is definitely all those things. Like, we have some major problems with the way this game's been designed with the insta-deaths and everything, which were which are kind of like a relic of that years of design back in the early 1990s. But in terms of how it looks and is presented, it's very Blizzard-esque. You know exactly who you're controlling, what the enemies are. Even the secrets in the game, I think, are very well telegraphed. Yes, yes. Like, uh, you'll often see, uh, you know, a bit of the map which looks inaccessible, but there's a little uh, there's a little item inside it. But you can very reasonably deduce where the entrance to that secret is if you just do a bit of exploration. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, aesthetically and, you know, gameplay-wise, I don't think that this game has become unplayable 
you know, in the time that since it's been released. There are some games, I think, that very, very, that, that age very poorly. I don't think this game's aged super poorly. I just think that, like, in terms of the way it looks, I just think that some of the, you know, the past design decisions just really haven't aged that well. Yeah, it's um, it's still a, it still looks good today. It doesn't necessarily look inspired in terms of its design, but um, it's a very clean, uh, enjoyable aesthetic. I would um, I would almost recommend playing this game on a handheld device with a smaller screen so that you can you know force yourself to play at the lower resolutions where it looks a lot nicer. Because this game just well, it's available on the Game Boy Advance, yeah, so that is an option. Yeah, because I don't think this game handles being stretched out particularly well. Like it's not awful. It just it just looks a lot better. Um, when it's at its native resolution rather than stretched out onto a 1080p or better monitor. Yeah, even then, I don't think it's too bad. I was also playing full screen and I never had any issue with the graphics. And it's like it's like anything, after a while you stop noticing. And uh, with this game, I certainly did. One of my... Um, I just remembered one of my favorite gags from this game, probably the only one that made me laugh... Um, is that this game's story progression is one where you travel through time. So you go from being on this alien spaceship and you take this magical door and you end up in a prehistoric area. And then, you know, you travel to the next area and you end up in ancient Egypt. And then from ancient Egypt, you end up in like an industrial zone. And then from the industrial zone, where do you think you're going to end up next? The future, right? No, you're going to Clown World. And when I loaded into Clown World, I just laughed for, you know, a little while. I thought it was pretty funny. And I played with my expectations. Um, fuck that level. See, I hated that. <laughs> I, thought, I thought Clown World was like the worst level in terms of aesthetics yeah i agree precisely because it didn't belong and because it was just like a mess it, it was just like random it was so textures funny. with chocolate <laughs> so covered funny. areas and, and like the waterfalls yeah, are know. like these weird checkerboard patterns <laughs> it was like what the fuck is going on to, um, to me i think that one just seems like a rushed one that blizzard threw in because they, you know, didn't have enough time to do proper designs. I didn't like it. That's one of the b- I, most bizarre mechanics as well. Um, there are these, like, uh, these, I guess, bicycle pumps around the level that you can inflate your Vikings with. It's like they put the pumps in their mouths and they, like, expand. And when they're expanded, they start floating around the place. It's almost like, it's kind of creepy, honestly. This had the toughest platforming as well. Yeah. This, this section I found, there was a lot of navigating through narrow gaps in spikes while being inflated. And you're only inflated for a limited amount of time. It's not unlimited upwards drift. So you can't spend time stuffing around. So I died the most in Cloud World than any of the Yeah, I found uh, Wacky World to be definitely the hardest. I actually quite liked the... um, the, The game ends with a boss fight of sorts. And I really like games that have boss fights that match the rest of the gameplay. Like, you play games that are just some platformer and then suddenly it turns into an action game when you're fighting a boss this is still a platforming game when you're fighting the boss and you have to do the same kind of things you've been doing for the entire game it's just kind of presented to you in a different way and i thought that was clever i will say one thing about that boss fight is that instead of using all three characters together you're just using each character individually in each section no 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 so, at the end they come together for a final like team up attack on him 
sure i i guess you're right i i just felt that for the most part it was like each viking doing their individual thing yeah i don't know i i liked the bit where they were teamed up and you kind of had to use all their abilities together to get them in the final little room sure you had you had to use the charge and then shoot and then the shield and the arrows yeah 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 Yeah, no that that's fair yeah i i just it took me a while to beat that final level so most of it was spent being salty as fuck i i will say that my favorite mechanic uh, like sort of throughout the whole levels that I actually thought was like fun uh, puzzling was when you control the cranes in the machine levels. Yeah, I enjoyed that as well. Yeah, so there's these sections where you get to jump your various Vikings in cranes and the cranes control platforms that you can pick up with magnets and there were there were some cool things going on where you would get specific Vikings to specific uh, cranes to help others up because... It also it kind of introduced a new mechanic where Olaf's Olaf is that the name of the big fat bike? Yes, the shield? yes. Yeah, Olaf's shield was magnetized, so you could yeah. use the cranes to have them float up. And I thought that was the most interesting puzzle part of the entire game because it felt like it was introducing a new element and new levels of complexity. But I don't think it ever really returned to that high point at any other point throughout the game i think that they used olaf the best of any of the three vikings like he's just a guy with a shield and you can use him in so many different ways you know to block projectiles to act as a platform to use it as a way to float down to be magnetized too and then there's something like balrog who just has like his arrow and a sword and all he really does is shoot like buttons with his arrows and hit people in comparison yeah, and the combat the combat is like super unsatisfying there's nothing interesting about yeah. it it's almost like a puzzle element as opposed yeah, to it actual absolutely combat. is yeah um i because yeah. it was presented as kind of like part of the puzzling it didn't really bother me i will say that when there was too many enemies it really slowed down the pace of the levels and if you were on a level that required you to die a lot um to figure out you know how to proceed those bits in the middle where you had to kill like four enemies in a row was such a pain in the ass this game wastes yeah. your time quite a lot especially when you die and you have to watch this like five second um respawn animation it's really annoying i just want to die and then to instantly you know spawn at the start of the level so i can get back to playing the, the thing the thing you have to understand about the game i guess is that that's not immediately obvious from playing it is that you kind of have to run every character through the level three times. So each level is like three times as long as it immediately appears. So you'll lead with Olaf, right? You'll run him forward and then you'll find an enemy. He'll stand there with, with the shield up and then you have to go get your warrior to come all the way down behind him to kill the enemy because Olaf can't kill the enemies. He's only got a shield. Yes. So you run him all the way down to kill the enemies and then there's a gap that only the other guy can jump over. So you swap again to the guy who's at the start, run him all the way down and then he jumps over the gap. And you have to do this every single time you restart the level. You have to go through this same process of swap, 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 making slow and steady progress every time. And that progress would feel more satisfying if you didn't have to do it 20 times to finish the level. Yeah, I would much rather that each level was, like, 
you know, half to a quarter as long, but harder. Yes. Um, I, d- I think it would be much less frustrating if that's the case. I honestly, the the format and the potential for this kind of, you know, gameplay structure, I think is there. I think you could definitely uh, make a full genre out of this kind of game and for it to be good. You just have to tweak it so it's not as punishing and tedious when you're having a difficult time you know you could just you design three characters with their own unique abilities and bam the levels start designing themselves from there i think there's the this kind of gameplay is really underutilized um but i don't think that the lost vikings is the best way to do it yes there is a good game somewhere in here it sounds like we're getting pretty close to our final impressions do you want to have another music break james and then we'll go on to the final impressions. Yeah, yeah this is going to be a short one. Um, so what was your favorite or least favorite track from the game, Patrick? Well, well, let, let's actually put up the prehistoric one as an example of a track I wasn't too fond of. It's pretty of. bad. Um, for the record, I, I liked the Egypt track a decent amount, but um, we'll go with the prehistoric All right, one. here you go, guys. So, uh, yeah, that was the prehistoric theme. It was pretty mediocre. There are some okay bits, but for the most part, I honestly turned it off, like, two levels in. So, um... I wish <laughs> I guess that, that, that probably brings us to the end. Um, our past episodes have been, like, an hour and a half long, but there's honestly not a whole lot to say about this one. It's, um, it's The Lost Vikings, yeah. So, Pat, do you want to tell us about how you feel um, recommending or not recommending people to play it? So I'm going to say you should not play this game. Uh, so yeah, even though it's free, it's not worth your time. Uh, it's It's got some interesting ideas. It's not, uh, it's not an ugly looking game to play, but it is immensely frustrating. And it's not worth the pain of having to repeat everything endlessly from every single minor mistake you make, particularly since, as James said, the game deliberately trolls you so many times and kills you in ways which you really wouldn't be able to avoid most of the time. I think that if this game had concentrated either more on the puzzle aspect or more on the platforming aspect, it would have been a better game with concessions either way. If it was more of a um, puzzle game, they could have removed like a lot of the deaths and the health items and everything. And I think it could have been an interesting puzzle game if they expanded on that idea or if they'd made it focus more on the um, the platforming. I think this could have been quite a solid platformer. But either way, the insta-deaths are just completely unreasonable and are a relic of another era to the point where I can't recommend this to you. It just, it just wastes your time so much. So intriguing idea. I'd like to see Blizzard or another studio revisit this format do something cool and interesting with it. But as it is now, it's a no for me. 
Yeah, I'm really on the fence about this one. There were times at this game where I was having quite a lot of fun, actually. But there are other times where I just wanted to punch my screen, right? This game is so punishing. It just sucks any potential joy out of the experience at times. And, you know, it's a free game. So it's really hard for me to say you definitely shouldn't play this game, right? If you have any interest in this game that honestly is a really unique title that you probably won't get to experience anywhere else, then sure, go ahead, download it, it's free. Play it for, uh, you know, 20 minutes and then get frustrated and never touch it again. But I can't say go out of your way to play it. It's just quite mediocre, honestly, in this day and age. There is a fun game hiding up underneath all the bullshit but you know it does have that bullshit so you know at the end of the day i can't recommend this game in conclusion play steven sausage roll instead. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> episode 100 baby it's gonna happen uh maybe yeah it's gonna have to wait till it's like 10 years old <laughs> <laughs> i mean it looks 20 years old so it's got yeah that that's a good it. point it's got that going for it <laughs> Okay, so thank you everyone for listening today. Uh, we are the Retrospectives Podcast. You can find all of our content at www.rspodcast.net. We also have heaps of really cool articles about all the games we've played over the past eight months or so. Um, you can find us on Twitter at R-E-T Podcast, or you can shoot us an email at retrospectivespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, any any other plugs I'm forgetting about here, James? Ah, the Discord, right? That's the most important one. <laughs> we'll, we'll include a link Jeez. to our Discord. We've had lots what of... What do I not pay you for? <laughs> <laughs> We've had lots of good discussion in our Discord, plenty of arguments about what constitutes a good RPG and what doesn't. And uh, somehow, I don't know how... Everyone came down in my favor for once, so that was that was an absolute delight. So if you'd like, unbelievable. To, if you'd like to talk video games, talk old games or new games, please drop by. We love talking about games. We love having arguments about games. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we're always looking for new people to join our Discord and voice their opinions. Absolutely. Um, so I guess that brings us to figuring out what the hell are we playing next week? So um, this is your game, Patrick. What is it? So, James, I realized that I was looking through our episodes. I noticed we'd only done about four or five shooters. So I thought we needed to do another one. Oh, you mean like a quarter of the episodes? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not doing enough shooters. And more specifically, we're not doing enough first-person shooters. Uh... So we get to do another one this week, James. And we're going right back in time to call of duty one have you uh, have you ever played any of the call of duty games james uh, i think it's i think it's hard to find somebody who hasn't played the call of duty games they are uh, they almost define a certain subsection of the uh the gaming community um i don't think that you quite fall into that uh kind of bro gamer uh, stereotype but um it's be interesting to see where it all began and uh if uh call of duty was very different before modern warfare took over the franchise and the whole world of gaming well i've always been more of a counter-strike fan and i was for many many years but by now i've played pretty much all the modern call of duty games i think i've missed one or two of the you know 13 new games in the franchise but i've played most of them but I've never actually played Call of Duty 1. I played a game called Medal of Honor Allied Assault, which is like kind of related to it in a lot of ways, you know, World War II shooter. But I've never played Call of Duty 1. So I'm excited to see 
how much has changed or how much hasn't changed uh, in in the years. Yeah, I love the old Medal of Honor games, actually, so I'm kind of hoping that Call of Duty 1 is going to be more like that and less like uh, the more modern titles that they have nowadays. We'll see how scripted and railroady it is. But uh, that's all we have time for. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, this was a Retrospectors podcast, and I'm Patrick Arthur. Uh, thanks for joining us this fortnight. See you next week and join us on Discord. Discord.